Welcome back to One Winning Pod, where we're finally going to discuss the Lamar Jackson situation that we've been somewhat avoiding because we just weren't that interested in talking about it until there was something realistically to talk about. Uh, with us, we have Alan Frankel from Coach DC's Discord, Twitter. You can find him, Frank Sports 21. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alec. Really good to be here. Good to meet Peter and Chris also. Awesome. We're happy to have you too. So at 3 p.m., which was 30 minutes, they, they quit, guys. I, I think the Ravens were big quitters. They said they were going to work until 3.30, like a couple days before when Ozzy was interviewed. And they said at 3 o'clock, eh, forget it. <laughs> not, not exclusive <laughs> tag on Lamar Jackson, making him a $32.4 million cap hit in 2023, which is about $13 million less than the anticipated by some exclusive tag. Um, just to set like the groundwork, probably all know the situation, but teams are now open to negotiate with Lamar uh, once a tampering period starts on uh, 13th. And if he signs an offer sheet, the Ravens can then match it within five days. If they elect not to, they'll receive two first round picks. Um, if it's before the draft this year, it'll be 2023. 2023 and 2024. It's after it'll be 24 and 25 for the draft picks. This is important because some teams like Miami currently do not have the draft picks to engage in such a conversation, but would after the draft. So yeah, I guess like we'll start off with initial reactions. I mean, you know, the initial reaction, of course, is disappointment that a deal didn't get done before this deadline. At the same time, I think we were all kind of expecting it with what the reports were that were being leaked. Again, you know, the front office has been keeping everything incredibly tight to the vest. So it was hard to really know how much to take the reports for what they're worth. But at the same time, like we could all see that that the contract was was dragging on and and nothing was getting done. So not a shock, Um, a little bit of a shock about which tag was used, but you know, after thinking about it with a little bit, and I think a, a lot of people have come to the same conclusion, it, it makes sense what they're doing. And we're just gonna have to see what what Lamar thinks of it. Yeah, I think from from my side, you know, it's really interesting. I feel like this year, it's more apparent that there are actually two different types of franchise tags. I feel like in the past, at least from what I remember, um, there was less of a need to kind of distinguish between the exclusive and non-exclusive tags. Um and to be honest, when I first kind of like heard of it, I thought like, well, normally I, I figured like, well, the exclusive tag would be the one that you would apply to all your players because the Ravens ended up signing almost all of them, right? I mean, you go back to guys who had, you know, big contract disputes like Terrell Suggs or Haloti Nada, um, ones that were kind of like extended out. They almost always signed them to a long-term deal by the time like training camp came back around. So it was like, I was a little surprised when it was like, oh, the non-exclusive, that means Lamar can talk to other people, but it's actually the same, basically the same tag that's been used before. Um, it's just that, you know, it kind of hadn't got to that point to be able to negotiate with, with other teams. It wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't really a possibility or it wasn't really kind of a storyline with this. Whereas with the Lamar, you know, uh, contract, um, it definitely has. And, um, yeah, I mean, my, my initial thing, look, I, I think I've said all time along, like, I, I think I I was pretty confident that Lamar was going to play under the franchise tag, regardless of whether a long-term deal was signed. Like, I don't think this really changes that. Um, you know, I think for the franchise, 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a little ballsy, but also like if they're you know operating in good faith, as they probably are, um, then you know it gives an opportunity for Lamar to like fairly like, hey, go figure out your value. Um, so you know, I, I think in the end, like I hope it's fair for both sides, but um, yeah, certainly there's a lot. It just it is certainly stressful <laughs> of just like having to wait to be able to hear for more news because there's so many people on, on so many different sides of, of this and like, you know, Lamar needs to get all this money. The franchise is like garbage. Like, what are they doing? Woo. It's exhausting. It's a roller coaster. Alan, what do you think? Uh, I thought it was really smart. I thought it put a lot of other teams under the gun. I think it put Lamar's opinion of what other teams really think of him under the gun, where maybe he's having conversations with the Ravens who are in a position where they have to say, you know, we love you, but here's the quantifiable amount that we love. And Lamar's saying, well, I think that there's somebody who maybe unquantifiable loves me and wants me on their team. And, you know, I'm kind of quote paraphrasing Skip Bayless in the way he spoke about it on the Skip and Shannon show. Where he's like, you, you can't be a little bit private. Either are private or not. And I think that this gives the Ravens an opportunity to show Lamar, like, look, not every, nobody feels this way about you where you're going to everybody's going to unconditionally want it. Now, I understand the two first-round picks are definitely an obstacle. They're definitely an additional cost that another team has, but we've seen teams pay that kind of cost if you feel like the player is of a certain caliber. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in the NFL. We've seen it pretty much across, you know, you know, soccer. You see it across sports leagues. If there's a guy you think is a transcendent player, then you're going to be willing to pay a substantial price to get him if you think he's one of those guys. So I think it put the... It really put Lamar in a situation where it's like, hey, get realistic a little bit. Let's see if other teams are going to show you that they, they don't unquantifiably love you either. And mm-hmm. it also saved the Ravens a lot of the money. So they got a dual benefit there of saving money as well as, you know, getting rid of the elephant in the room of that there's somebody out there who thinks the world of Now, I understand, once again, two first-round picks. It's another obstacle. It's a hurdle for teams, but it's not one we haven't seen teams jump through before. I think like I was I said it on Ken's show when I when he asked me to join in, but the thing that bummed me out about this whole thing is like I heard the conversations about the exclusive tag and the non-exclusive tag. And I was like, it's too high of risk. I was worried about poison pills, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um But then like once it actually happened and they did non-exclusive, I was like, okay. The Ravens have done their homework. Let's go look at all the actual fran- like franchises that might be interested, their cap situations. Etc. And I was like, not only is it less money, which is why everyone does it for non quarterbacks or non like crazy players, but um, it's it's just like it was so obvious in retrospect because I think he's going to get a contract if 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 someone actually does pursue him and gives him an offer sheet. I do not think it's going to be crazy from a dollars against cap perspective. I think it's going to be maybe interesting from a fully guaranteed perspective. And then it's really just a question of like, okay, Ravens, are you willing just to match it and keep your guy at that price that you probably knew he won it all along and something like you lost your bet? Um, or are you going to say, you know what? Those two picks look okay. I think for some teams, like it's a very scary two picks. Um, <laughs> like I think if you get the six overall pick, I think it is from the Lions. I wouldn't be shocked if the next one's 32. Like if, if they got Lamar, like, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying they're the favorite. I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked because I think they're a well-built team at this point. 
and they might be a quarterback away from really being interesting. Plus, like they have other picks. Um, but yeah, I think they looked at the landscape and they said, okay, um, he's either like some teams are going to do the work for us and we'll just get to sign the contract, which is, I think, also why a lot of teams are allegedly out is that they don't want to do set homework or, uh, yeah, they'll get two firsts. There's a lot there you said that I agree with, but I do have to interject that I don't think that. Detroit is a Lamar Jackson away from a Super Bowl, but that's fine. That's not the topic of this. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of sandwiched that in there. But um, I, I do agree with what you said with it looks that the Ravens did their homework. Because we talked about that in, in the group chat when it happened. We were just like, you know, if the Ravens had to give up two firsts, I mean, sorry, excuse me, if the Ravens only got two firsts as compensation for Lamar, like Lamar's worth more than that. I think anyone outside the Ravens organization would say that too. And, you know, if we know that, the front office knows that. So that looks to me like the Ravens front office feels really good that they won't be in that situation where they're only left with two first-round picks when this is all said and done. And the other thing that it really helps them with is, as, as others have commented on, like, some of this has gotten ugly. We've seen some quotes come. We've seen, you know, Stephen A. Smith leak things that is supposedly from Lamar's camp. Who knows if it actually is or not. But this puts it out on the table. Now we will know publicly, hey, what is it that other teams are offering this guy? What is it the Ravens are offering? You know, and, and it'll just, it, it'll all be out there. Um, so whatever happens, we'll know. We, we won't have to guess as to what was offered and what was turned down. We'll know at the end of the day. But yeah, I, I agree that it is a roll of the dice. I think it's one that the Ravens feel is heavily weighted in their favor, but there, there is an opportunity for this to go south for a team to come in. Um, and I guess we'll talk about that later, but I, I would, I do say that it, it does on the outset look like the Ravens are, are saying we're in a good position here. We think that we have the best offer that you're going to get. And this is how we're going to prove it to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe this might be a good time to kind of like go into, you know, some of the landscape a little bit and kind of the other teams. I mean, I'll I'll throw out I'll throw out this. I think you know, if if everything is to believed, um I I do believe Lamar really likes to win. Um I believe he's a competitor. I believe he would want to go on a team that is going to win a lot of football games. And so the the confluence of like teams or at least situations which Lamar would probably prefer and the teams that have money I think that confluence is very small right I mean I just like I don't know like I I feel like you can both want to play for a winner and also want to have your money like I think both of those could be true um but one of them at like Lamar has to decide like which one he wants more, right? Does he really want to play for a team like the Ravens, a proven winner, or does he want like the most money possible? And that's where I think really this is, I mean, it's it's, frankly, it's really interesting, right? Because nobody really knows like how much he feels in these situations. Um, Nobody's saying anything, but, um, but yeah, I mean, there, you know, a lot of teams, I think people have kind of put on the table, obviously, you know, pick any team basically drafting in like the top eight this year right almost any of them would probably want another quarterback um so you've got the bears you have the colts you have teams like the falcons the panthers you have like the raiders you have uh miami 
Um, you know, New England, I think, has been mentioned as well. Um, Detroit, I guess, was was an option, uh, I think. But, um, you know, it would be an interesting situation. Um, I, I will say, like, my worst timeline is that Bill Belichick somehow decides, like, F it. I'm going to, like, change everything that I've ever done and then just, like, put everything on the table for this guy and get him. Because I think that would be a really interesting situation. It's a similar offense to what the Ravens run today. And, I mean, he's the, the most proven winner out there in the NFL is Bill Belichick. Um, so, you know, for me, like, that's a little scary. But also kind of, like, knowing, like, Bill Belichick is also the GM. Like, I don't know if he's going to do that. But, but, I mean, like, that's a really scary thought. Because, I mean, they have a decent amount of cap room, I think. Allegedly, they have thirty-one million. They have so many weird contracts. They're paying like um, obscene amount of money to Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith and Johnny. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. They're they're such a weird franchise. People at this think point. we're crazy about tight ends. Look at that. Look at those salaries. Yeah. <laughs> we get all the yeah. tight end, tight end, this tight end, that. Just be a one more thing. Yeah, yeah. They're they're making uh, thirty-two million dollars between the two of them. They're the second and third highest paid people <laughs> on the team. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody's done more for Lamar's value other than Deshaun, other than Deshaun Watson. Uh, only Bill Belichick can talk up his value any higher than it needs to be. He's been always very openly complimentary about Lamar, probably because he's pretty much shattered him every time he's played them. Uh, but in terms of kind of turning this back to like the organizational conversation, I think this is a really interesting um, way of viewing the Ravens from not just the not from just a fan perspective, but from a how does the organization run and which way we want to run it. The Ravens are saying we have our price, we're sticking to our guns, we've built a good roster. Our team is going to be good independent of whether Lamar's here or whether we get the compensation for Lamar that would be getting and then the uh, cap space we would have if Lamar were to leave. So that would open up a lot of cap space for moves. It would open up probably uh, compensation, either whether in the form of a trade or in the two first-round picks, which could then also be flipped at any given point. Teams, I'm sure, the same way teams don't want to give up those two first-round picks, same way they would love to receive two first-round picks. So I think what the Ravens are saying is, uh, in, in kind of the opposite stance of the Browns, I think the stance was diametrically opposed. And this isn't to say that just because the Ravens are a winning franchise today that they're making the right call. The Browns have built up already since, you know, Stefanski's um, been there and Andrew Barry. They've already built a talented roster. They haven't seen the wins and losses on the field. But I think that a lot of people feel like they, they're probably heading in a much better direction than they were, say, 10 years ago, seven years ago. Uh, so you're seeing two diametrically opposed points of view from two diametrically opposed coaching staffs in the front offices, where you have the front office in Cleveland kind of desperate for a winner and losing pretty much all their leverage, like pushing in all their chips to someone who's never played it down there has no real connection to the city um, and will already have earned a lot of money before taking a single staff or having to prove himself. They took that approach and you see the Ravens saying, no, 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 we have our values. We like our team. We think we could be successful with or without you. Um, obviously, that's also including the compensation, etc. And um, we firmly have our, our, this is our culture. This is what we do. And we, we have our way of building a winner. And it's not just we're putting all of our chips in the middle of the table on one high-risk player. And I also think they're they're using Lamar's... Now, you can talk about Lamar. Did he hold out at the end? Did he not? Well, never. And, and, and you feel free to have your own opinion. Um, 
but they're they're using that as leverage against them. They're saying, look, every other team is looking at you the same way that you may or may not. You know, Mahomes just won, wins a Super Bowl on a high ankle spray that everybody knew was very painful, and you didn't do that. And the Lamar's would say, well, they took care of Patrick, this, that, the other. It's like, okay, we're going to trust you to play hurt after we pay you. Most of the time, you earn that payment first. Then later on, you know, okay, I'm trying to, you know, try to protect myself a little bit. Usually, you have to earn it first. You show that you have that in you before you get the big money. That's how you earn it. So after you have the money, you're going to be more incentivized to play hard. So the Ravens are using, whether it was a negotiating tactic, whether you feel a real injury, we're going to believe what you want to believe on that circumstance. They're using his behavior, his situation against him on the negotiating team. And I think other teams are feeling the same. They're like, am I really going to pay $200 million in two first-round picks for a guy that may or may not have been injured? We're not really sure. Well, how hurt was he? We just saw Mahomes do it. You know, it doesn't look great. And I think the Ravens are, you know, showing him, hey, you're not just going to do what you want to us and get everything you want in return. I don't know how you, I don't know how you guys feel about the injury thing. Like I was definitely at least skeptical of it, especially after Mike Preston article that got walked back, which was interesting. And Graven talked about it. Uh, so I think there's a little bit more smoke in terms of you know everybody's being nice to each other. But I think there's a little bit more smoke than we want to believe. And that's not me trying to fan the flames or spread a rumor. That's me just reacting to the conflicting news that I'm receiving from all angles and from reputable reporters, including Skip Bayless and, and Mike Preston. I think it certainly all adds up, you know. Um, you know, I think what you mentioned earlier about the just the, you know, the the approach that the Ravens are taking in comparison to like what the Browns did last offseason, right? I mean, I, I definitely think that's valid of, you know, the Ravens are willing to, you know, they're willing to build a complete roster, right? And so it's not about like, you know, do you have the quarterback and like it doesn't matter who you have or else around it. Like quarterbacks do matter for sure. And, you know, you want to have a good quarterback, but the Ravens also feel like, you know, we have a pretty good roster and, you know, that draft capital that we would get. And if somebody were to make an offer that we didn't want to match, like, I mean, that's the ticket to be able to get another quarterback, right? They, they can build, they can build a roster around that. They've, they've proven that they've did that. They've done that for the majority of their franchise history, right? <laughs> Is building around quarterbacks who are, you know, not in the top 10 of the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're more than welcome to do that. As far as the injury of like, yeah, I mean, I guess my personal thing, like I fully admit, like it was freaking bummer. Um, I really like was really hoping that he would be able to make it back. Um, you know, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I mean, I will say like, I'm sure it adds up, you know, of having everything on the table of like, okay, if another team comes in and they want to make an offer for him, yeah, you got to get past the draft capital. You got to get past this guy's like, quote unquote, you know, injury history, right? I mean, that's all real. Like that is all real. You know, whether it's whether it was intentional, whether it has anything to do with Lamar's like behavior or anything. I mean, I don't know if, if, if I believe that as much, but I mean, in terms of like raw business value, right? In terms of the transaction, like absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure that adds, adds to it. Yeah, one thing the Ravens, we know, consistently do as a franchise is you know they're they're i shouldn't say never because that could get me into trouble but overall i think they do a good job of, of valuing players and you know they're they're not just gonna gonna write a blank check they're gonna be be critical there of like you know like hey you're an incredibly important part to this organization um arguably one of the top 10 draft picks the Rams have ever made lamar's had a great start to his career but you know Let's be honest. There are some questions. I think even if you're the biggest Lamar supporter, you do have to uh, admit that. Like we said, the injuries the past two seasons, um, 
the the lack of of big splash games in the playoffs when we've already seen other young quarterbacks that we've said Patrick Mahomes two Super Bowls already uh Josh Allen hasn't made it to the Super Bowl but he's had some big statistical games in the playoffs that are reminiscent of what he's done in the regular season uh Joe Burrow has made it to the Super Bowl um sorry I have to bring that up it's we have to say that one <laughs> we're discussing this and, and you know some of it is on Lamar some of it is just circumstances uh, that are beyond his control uh or, or some of it's just football you know you're going up against other good teams as well and you know, I, I think the Ravens are taking all that into consideration and are, are trying to create a contract that's fair to where Lamar has been right now. And of course, you know, Lamar's gonna gonna take umbrage to to that. He's gonna want to try and get the most money that he's gonna get. Uh, as I've been saying this whole time, it's kind of human nature if you're in that situation. And you know, I, honestly, all all this might be less toxic or less drama filled than we're making it because I mean, thinking about it from a business perspective from Lamar, you know, maybe just wants to see how much money he could get, you know? And if that's the case, what the Ravens are doing is going to allow him to do that. And he might still sign with the Ravens. He might be planning to sign with the Ravens all along. He's just trying to see what's the big, biggest dollar amount he can get before he does that, you know, all speculation, of course, we don't know, but yeah, I, 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 do you think that what we're saying is right? You know, obviously 2019, unanimous MVP, 14 wins, it, it was all great. But in the in the past three seasons, there's been some highs, there's been some lows. And I think all that, like we're saying, is is being brought up in the contract negotiation. Yeah, no, it's definitely all being brought up in negotiations. Not only that, but let's, let's kind of, you know, fast forward here a little bit. I'm looking at the play on the on this ad. Uh, I'm not not happy about it. I expect I expect him to hold out of camp. I expect him to not be happy throughout the year. I'm also concerned that minor injuries all of a sudden once again could become major injuries. I, I just don't take out the self interest here, and that doesn't make Lamar a bad person. I think something that I really don't like in fans and says this because we love the players such means a lot that we we also don't let him be a person. I wouldn't hate Lamar if I had fifty million or hundred fifty million, two hundred million, and I had a sprained ankle and it could cost me that. I also would sit out. This isn't an attempt to demonize Lamar as a person. It's something which you know. This is how people do business, and this is how it is after you get to be a pro at a certain level. It's kind of removing that kid aspect of the game. Unfortunate if you want to be that kind of fan, but to me, I don't think it, it, it makes him a bad person for doing these types of things because. He's not being taken care of. There's nobody telling him that he had a torn ACL that the Ravens would sign him to that same project maybe that they're off right now. Nobody's telling him that either. So this is, you know, a multifaceted issue. And the idea of playing on the tag, and I think this is where I kind of want to get your guys, or a lot of you guys here. I am absolutely terrified of him playing on the tag. I think it's a total disaster. I think it gives Lamar all the in-season leverage um, because then if he can't play or he feels this way that we're not trading crap, which is totally possible. He can sort of tank our season, and that's a pretty empowering thing to give a guy who is pretty not thrilled in the first place, and who you probably, at the very least, he could have said, all right, at least I get my 45 mil or whatever the true franchise tag is. But now I only get 32? I'm only getting that? And you're going to double hit me? You're not going to give me that long-term deal, and you're going to mess me up for this season? I mean, that's a lot of of, uh, ammunition to give to somebody who 
kind of has your season by the rates. It's it's tough, man. So kind of gonna let you guys jump in on that kind of that problem here. I totally agree that him playing on the cap or on the tag is a uh, a total failure at this point. I don't I don't believe it will come to that. I think a deal will be struck, and I'd argue, and maybe this is controversial, but if they can't come to a deal with him long term. I'd almost want to say, because of how the roster most likely looks and what you just described. All right, Lamar, one year deal. <laughs> we'll pay you fully guaranteed 50 million or like what the market rate is for you. Um, with like, you know, 18 million in next year's cap or something. Because I wouldn't want exactly what you're describing to happen. And they know better than us if like there's any, obviously if there if there's anything up going on with his like interest in playing i i just like don't love the idea of him being underpaid this year it, like it it, it bothers me 100%. it just bothers me like from like um i don't know a fairness perspective but at the same time like he he created his own prison <laughs> in, in in a way right like we know offers have been made uh and we're fairly confident they are very good offers um it's just maybe not what he was looking for or what the NFLPA was looking for. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the, that's the, that's the troubling part. I, I, so what's the, what's the difference between, I mean, beside the dollar amount, what's the difference between him playing on the franchise tag versus a one year deal? I mean, I guess like he, he got the money he was supposed to get. I mean, either one, I don't know. Just for a single year, though, I think he probably wants it. I don't know. I, I, I that, that's fair. I'm I guess. not saying it's a bad idea. I just when you said that, I didn't quite get how that would be something that Lamar would agree to. That's fair. I guess, like uh, from a market value perspective, maybe, maybe you could do a two year deal. I don't know, like two year, two years fully guaranteed at that point because you already would have 30. to be minimal that. Huh? <laughs> I think it would have to be minimal that. Yeah, because I mean, the franchise day. Well, okay, it, yeah, no, you, yeah, you do a two year deal with but. void years. <laughs> Same idea. So he has an extra year to look forward to, and then the 18s on 2025. Yeah. I mean, there, there are ways that you can massage it, um, but that's a good point, Peter. Maybe it has to be a two-year deal, fully guaranteed, right. with a void year. That's what makes this conversation so hard. Like we're saying, we don't know. The Ravens <laughs> don't let anything out. Whenever Lamar lets anything out, it doesn't make any sense. So it's like... <laughs> it's emojis. We're really, we're really grasping here, man. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't feel like we're grasping. We're, we're, we're like trying to give us the 360 degrees. We're trying to say, what could it be? What, what do we think? And, and how, we, how we feel about being in this kind of nebulous spot. Well, if we're asking how we feel, I mean, I think everyone feels differently. I'm of the point right now where I'm at, I'm at the same spot where I was when we discussed this, you know, what was it, last pod, two pods ago. Um, I'm completely like the Ravens are going to do what they're going to do. Um it's all up to Lamar. The Ravens have made it clear they want him here. And if he's here, that's great. Uh, if he's not, I'm sure they can rebuild. Um, so we'll see, man. Uh, I'm For myself, I'm just looking at it as news. And I'm going to adjust my emotions after I know what happens. Uh, but I, I do know that not everyone feels that way. I guess I'm in the minority of having a tempered opinion on all this and kind of just shutting away any emotional lean one way or the other but that's kind of just where i've been just this has just been going on for so long <laughs> right yeah i mean go back to like the injury point like i mean i don't know i don't know if the franchise tag i don't know if him playing on it actually changes anything about like the leverage you know what i mean because like 
I mean, obviously, I guess yeah. the the Huntley decision of like you know whether he's going to be here next year, like I guess that's a little open, but um, but it's it's sort of in that vein of like, yeah, you know, twenty twenty one Huntley came in, he did a decent job in terms of like kept the offense afloat. Now, do you want like sixteen games of Huntley? No, absolutely not. But like, okay, like, but if Lamar gets hurt, like you don't know when he's going to get hurt. Is he going to be week one? You know. Who knows, right? But but I'm just saying, like, if it were like six to eight games or something that you had to have your backup quarterback play, like, that's not really tanking your season. Um, at least not like not any worse than it has been like the last two years. And it's it's not really a tank. That's not really the what has kind of happened. Maybe 2021, you maybe argue that it was just there were a lot of losses in a row. But but still, but the, he the, does the, play the, on the tag. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it offers a chance to see what kind of player he is. You know. I mean, look at twenty was it twenty twenty? Dak, uh, the Cowboys tagged him. They weren't able to get a deal done with him, and then everyone was was, um, you know, basically piling on Dak, saying like, "What's it's a terrible idea? What if he gets hurt? Like that's going to tank his value." He did get hurt. What was it, like week five or six of that year, and then immediately afterwards they announced his deal. <laughs> you know, right. they locked him up long term. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, I I just can't feel like I can comment one way or the other of like. Would Lamar sabotage the Ravens season? Would he hold out if he's on the tag? I don't think we... I just... Frankly, it, it just comes down to the player. And it just comes down to what decision the player wants to make. Um, a player like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was off to a phenomenal start that year. Um, he just put the team on his back and, and just said, you know, that that was his decision of what to do with the franchise tag. Would Lamar do that? Would Lamar uh, be more of a Lavian Bell type? I, I just don't know if we know. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of really hard to say. I feel like we're kind of spitting in the dark. Uh, with that one. Yeah, I'm highly concerned that we might be in an NBA-style situation, a Ben Simmons-style situation. Uh, I feel like the low-ball tag situation that he's in right now is, is really going to be tough for him to swallow. Uh, especially. Wait, do we, do we say Ben Simmons? Yeah, we might be in, not in a Ben Simmons from a performance standpoint, but from a I-can't-be-here situation. We're running the risk that Lamar could say. So that I will I'm say, nervous. I don't think Lamar... Lamar is definitely not Ben Simmons, though. I... Unless he's like complete, like Ben Simmons, like Ben Simmons was always a bit of a head case before that. Like he had that issue with, with I mean, gosh, he was suspended from LSU, wasn't he? And the, the one year that he was there. And I, I, I mean, it, what, what happened with Ben Simmons wasn't like out of the blue. It's not like he was a Boy Scout and then all of a sudden he just didn't want to be in Philadelphia. So, I mean, like I said, we don't know, but I don't think there's anything in Lamar's past that would suggest we'd, he would be a Ben Simmons type of holdout. I, I think that these guys aren't those guys until one day they are. You know, we thought Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City was happy there. All of a sudden, he wants out. These things kind of, in terms, I think I'm kind of playing into what you're saying a little bit actually before, Peter, in that we don't know what it is until it happens, but until it happens, it can be a wider range of things. And I tend to put these kind of wider things into that scope where he probably feels underpaid, he's probably upset, and he feels like the two first-round picks that we've attached as an albatross onto any deal He's like, we're kind of blocking player movement. This kind of goes into CBA stuff. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. That's also in play there. I've actually came up with a fun theory called the Jack Stacks, where everybody who gets a fully guaranteed deal after Lamar does his thing would actually have to pay Lamar Jackson, let's say, $100,000 per tax on the Jack Stacks. So I think that's pretty cool. But these are the types of things that are in play. These are the types of things that are in play when you're dealing with decisions that affect hundreds of millions of dollars in future contracts. Hundreds of million dollar future um, yeah. free agent environments. And I think that not looking at that broadly and saying that we are at the nexus of what could be an inflection point for the CBA. I think Lamar feels like he's also getting hit hard by the rookie 
rookie scale and the franchise tag, that whole dynamic is now getting put into play. And um, it's a broader issue. And I really think it's cool. Now, we don't have to go deeply into this. I know that everybody wants to talk about CBA and these type of things. And it's a little bit too outside the window. But I think that the fact that we as a team are kind of at the nexus here of this situation, with so many interesting parties, it's probably been the most fun off season for me because because of the way I kind of try to handle these things where I take in all the information. I'll be like, okay, what are all those 360 degrees? And it turns out that it's actually quite far reaching. And um, you get to see the differences in organizations. Like I said before, difference, how do players, how are they before they get their money, after they get their money, how do they behave? Will Lamar hold out in the in the training camp? Will he do things to potentially torpedo our season or request a trade? These things are all in play right now. And um, I think if he had the exclusive franchise tag, at least he'd be like, okay, they gave me the respect. I got the extra bill. They gave me some respect. This was a little bit like, you're Lamar. This is a gut punch. To, it's not just the money. It's the, you know, you know it's, it's the we think we know better than you do what you are. It, it can definitely be taken that way. And um, I, I know that Lamar's PR team, I think, has done an excellent job. I think it's in the Ravens' best interest to only say good things about Lamar Jackson, which is something that we all need to kind of take back and say, hey, they're not telling us this stuff because the Ravens don't want to hurt his trade value either, even if some of this stuff is true, if the effort maybe wasn't there like Skip does, if other things were happening that maybe were more within Lamar's control, like coming back from injury, those things like – you know, they wouldn't talk about it because it's going to hurt their interest. And so that's that's kind of my 360 view of what's going on. I think it's I think it's just so, <laughs> to be honest, I know, I know that some people are suffering here every day. What's going to be with Lamar? I am. I am not. I, you know, I, I believe in our front office. I think we're going to be good. Just like you said, Peter, I think we're going to be good no matter what. And um, I'm, I'm really curious how it's going to shake out. And I don't think that the conversation ends for the draft, after the draft. This is an ongoing throughout the season conversation. And before we go further, I want to apologize to Ben Simmons, although he's been involved in some stuff. He was not suspended from LSU. He was suspended one game or just benched one game for academic misconduct. But somebody, it, it, the, the point still stands, whatever. I don't think Lamar is Ben Simmons. I, I, but again, like we said, we don't really know. But moving on. Uh, ben Simmons isn't even listening to this anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address these things in like reverse order, I think, from how they've been discussed. Uh, so I definitely think that this is extremely interesting, Alan. And and if I take the emotional part out of it, I do think you're right. And I, I love the, the Jax tax. It's hilarious. I totally should definitely pen that uh, because you're right. Like if he gets a fully guaranteed deal, it's going to be extremely interesting from these organizations that claim they don't have any way to make that kind of money, you know, put it in escrow and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they'll have to take loads. Like there's going to be a lot of uh, trouble. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I will say, like we talked about it with Ken, uh, the CBA as it exists right now, sort of like creates this problem as you're describing in that, no one wants to get the fully guaranteed deal because of the ramifications of a like the escrow bit and b the way that can impact your cap if like disaster strikes, and and then they don't want to give up the picks. No one wants to give them free labor or cheap labor, you know, relative to their value. Because whenever you're you're signing players, you're trying to extract value. You're not trying just to like steady state with the signing. 
You're always trying to extract value. Even the top paid quarterbacks, you're hoping they extract value because they're top guys and that they're actually playing a little bit better. So when you're paying top dollar for a quarterback where extracting value is difficult, not impossible, just difficult, and then kneecapping yourselves because you don't have uh, the draft picks, high-end draft picks, uh, to get cheap labor on those years that you have this huge deal, it's a real tough ask. It's just a real tough ask. And I think that's why teams are out. I don't think they're out on Lamar Jackson if he was a free agent. They're out because of the two extra picks in addition to the only team that can take him on right now in this current situation and feel like extremely confident is the Ravens. And it makes it tough. I don't know if you're right or not. If they, if he's upset about it by getting the lower number tag at first, I thought that might be the case. And like he could be prideful about it and like have a bad rap with the Ravens. But I think Chris said like, maybe he wants this. He wants the opportunity to figure out if his value is actually where it is, because maybe he's like, okay, taking the Ravens best offer if he can't get any more out of it. You know, he might actually be okay. We don't, we just don't know where he is. And then lastly, emotionally, right? We were talking about how we're feeling. I think going all the way back, the original question is like how we're feeling. I mean, I was a little bit of a mess going into the the deadline. I thought a deal was going to get done. I, I had led on false hope that a deal would get done. <laughs> and, uh, the disappointment is that I feel like there's unfinished business and we've talked about it before, you know, 2019 scarred a lot of people and, you know, he said he was going to get us the Super Bowl. I still think he could do that. I think we're set up for it. And like, I can't see him go right now. Like we got to make it work. We got to get that Super Bowl. And I think Lamar Jackson wants to play. I think if, if it comes down to it, I'd be surprised, but if it comes down to it and he has to play on the tag, I do not think a quarterback like, I don't think he can hold out. I just think that's like a wild, wild turn of events. And that is like no Lamar of mine, so to speak. Like, I just feel like that's not the Lamar we drafted. That's not the guy who says that you're going to get a Super Bowl. Who's like the way he's always treated his teammates and talked about the game. If that were to happen, like some, he, he has snapped into a new Lamar, in my opinion. You know, we brought up that teams are saying that they're out. Um and we discussed why, but you know, part of me still wonders though: is any of that a smokescreen? Can we really believe that these teams they're saying they're they're out are? I mean, like we said, we we understand why it would make sense, but still, you know, some of these teams like they could really use a quarterback of Lamar. I mean, like Atlanta Falcons, the Vegas Raiders, uh, New England. I, I don't think anyone believes in Mac Jones, like. Do we really believe that no one is gonna is going to try and offer Lamar a contract, or is is it really just Lamar is just gonna have to, you know, just come back to the front office, tail between his you know legs, for lack of a better term, and and just go back to the negotiation table? I mean, you know, what what are we gonna see here? What, what or maybe a better question, what? do we think could happen that could turn this bet that the Ravens think they have in their favor South? I mean, yeah, like you'd have to, I mean, you'd have to have a team that would think that they're really close and they want to go like the Rams method of picks for proven players. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like a lot, a lot of these teams just, they're not there. <laughs> like, I mean, the the Falcons, I don't, like, Falcons I don't think are there. I think the Raiders are definitely not there. 
like teams like the Panthers, Colts, like Houston, like I, I just I mean Panthers, well Panthers maybe, but maybe a little bit closer. But like some of these other teams, they're just they're, they have, they need so many pieces that it just doesn't make sense for them. Like to Alex's point, right? Use the picks to be able to get players on the deals and be able to like build out your roster, right? Now, like, maybe, like, I, I guess that's kind of why I brought up New England earlier. Like, maybe New England, they might be a little bit closer, right? If, if you think that Mac's just not the guy. Um, you know, Zappi seemed to play pretty well in the offense for a couple games, right? Like, that roster is decently well-rounded, right? The Jets, another roster of, like, I mean, they legitimately thought that, like, Zach Wilson, their second overall pick, was enough trash that they needed to go to, you know, Flacco and Mike White at the end of the season because that was their best shot as like a whole team, right? I mean, the Jets maybe, but then they have to be willing to give that up, which is really interesting because the Jets GM is from the Ravens. So I'm just not sure if he's ready to play that ball. Um, <laughs> just from the wrong uh, GM tree, I think. But uh, but yeah, like you'd have to have a team like that. And um, yeah, I don't know. They're just like, there, there are definitely some teams that do it, but I feel like, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a bigger conversation, but I guess like the Rams did it. It took them a really long time, but they did do it. But now we've seen after that, like their roster's completely blown up. I mean, it's just, it's gone. So, I mean, like, I guess the Saints are maybe kind of in that category too, but they haven't won anything since 2011. And now well, they, they got have Derek teams Carr like, now. right. Well, yeah, well now they have Derek Carr. So. But I mean, but my point is like, you know, for some other teams, like you have the Bengals, you have like um, the Chiefs, you have the Eagles and everything like they built up their teams through, you know, drafting roster building. Mm -hmm. Right. I just I don't know. Yeah, I feel like if a team wanted to take a chance at Lamar right now with the exclusive tag to give up those picks, like you have to be like really desperate with a really good roster right now to be able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, like maybe 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 that's kind of to your point earlier, Alan, of like. Lamar maybe being a little bit frustrated. Like, I guess I could see it because he, I guess he is getting his market value, but also no, because those picks are so prohibitive. It's really not like a fair valuation for what teams were willing to give up. It's more of like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a sham in, in that perspective, right? It's, it's not equivalent to the same as like, he's a free agent. Like everybody give their best offers. It's the, the best offer plus those those picks and, and that's a huge deal for sure yeah no 100 percent. there's it's it's a tough situation like you should be one of the highest paid players and now you're sitting below you know below, below the exclusive franchise tag on a one-year deal where you're risking injury again as a player who's frequently injured uh you're, you're risking that major injury again it's it's not a fun position to be him like that's what i'm saying before I'm not upset with Lamar Jackson the person for doing these types of things. It, it's, it wouldn't be fun to be him right now as much as I'd love to have $34 million. Um, <laughs> so I guess some some extent, but you know, his objectives, it looks like we're to be one of the highest paid players in the history of the game. His objective, at least in the contract situation, was, was to get that. And that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen next year either. The, I don't know exactly how it works with the repeater franchise tag. But he's, he's looking at, he's staring down a barrel here uh, going back to play for a team that kind of used all their leverage against him. That's the tough ask. It, it's really a tough ask. And in terms of like the, the partners, even if somebody wanted to sign him to a big deal, the Baltimore Ravens just say, okay, we'll sign you. 
And now, hey, we want extra compensation alongside that. So yes, a team could poison pill, but that's that's going to be really risky because it's going to financially be cost prohibitive. Because remember, it has to sign, they have to take him, and it has to be. They're not going to be able to sign with like a small offer sheet. It's going to have to be a big trade, a big a big offer. So the Ravens could just match that and say, okay, you can have Lamar, but you got to give us Lamar plus. Maybe it isn't two first round picks, but it's a first and this player. I've outlined trades for let's say Jared Goff and Amon Ross Brown or Ramsey and Stafford. Kind of trades that will be filled that quarterback or the veteran and a position of need somewhere else. Um, that's those aren't specific trades. I don't know like all the cap gymnastics. I'm just telling you the framework of the type of trade that I think the Ravens might be inclined to accept. So kind of shifting that gear of like, okay, let's say somebody did give the offer sheet. The Ravens could absolutely match it and then just say, you could have them plus give us assets A, B, and C. Right. Yeah, the 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 match and trade is totally a viable thing. So like in a way they could get more um picks but i don't know it, it, it's just a it's a it's a weird and unfortunate situation i think you're right though like i i think unfortunately lamar is at this horrible spot where first of all we have this fully guaranteed deal out of desperation that shouldn't have happened for a trash player my opinion <laughs> and then you're entitled. You're entitled to and and then and then you have all these failed trades. You have the Russell Wilson trade that looks horrible. You know, trade everything for this guy. It's not working out. The quarterback market is simmering down, in my opinion. Like, we, we, in a market that felt like it could not get any, like, lose any momentum as far as value. I think it's, it's people are gun shy after seeing what happened to Denver to do a trade like that. And I mean, and, and to be fair, we have to include Cleveland. They didn't see the best performance out of Watson. They have no first round picks and they gave him a crazy contract. So like you you see these two trades happen. I think it's somewhat torpedoed his trade value from the Ravens perspective. And like, believe it or not, right? I don't personally think it's true, but a lot of people in the NFL think that you have to perfectly construct an offense for Lamar Jackson to succeed. And like, you need to have the certain personnel that he's good with. And while like there are things that benefit any player and Lamar is a unique player. So those benefits could be unique. I do not think that's actually true, <laughs> right? Like I think he could succeed with the weapons on hand, uh, particularly with some of these teams that have some really exceptional wide receivers. Uh, that's why I think like the lines are so interesting. I think they have really good wide receivers. They have good running backs. Like the lines are right. Like, you know, they're they're going somewhere. Stop <laughs> selling Lamar to the Lions. I'm not trying to do it. I'm just saying <laughs> oh, the, I, the I, I interesting. It's an <laughs> NFC dome. Did I mention it's a dome team in the NFC where a lot more of the competitors are an artificial turf? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't need to keep doing this. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's all, all my trades, all my trades are always Lamar to an NFC dome team, so he doesn't have to play in the rain or the snow. That's been like a big thing for me. Where like, Mar that's like that's been one of the sticky points. But I want to kind of jump on Alex's point a little bit. So Stephen A. Smith, uh, who I actually always enjoyed listening to, he is like it's disrespectful for the Ravens to not give him a deal when Russell Wilson, John Watson, and Kyler Murray have these deals, and I'm like disrespectful or intelligent. You've just listed three of the worst contracts and you're saying my team isn't doing that? Really? That's a bad idea? I'm like, uh, Stephen A., you gotta read your, somebody editing your Twitter because this doesn't sound really smart at the current juncture. 
Dude, the more I already <laughs> Arizona in particular, man, just like already like did not have a very high opinion of them as a franchise, but like, oh my god, especially like out of a lot of the news, like this off season with like their uh with like their equipment program and everything, like, oh my goodness, like so bad. <laughs> Trash franchise. Like <laughs> But but yeah, no, I, I mean absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, yeah, you guys bring bring up great points. It's like I think you know, I think for, you know, kind of going back to the point of like, you know, is Lamar going to be disrespected here? I think the honestly the key, and unfortunately we're not going to know about this until after it happens, right, is like that relationship with Eric DaCosta because he doesn't have an agent, right, of like, the, I mean, I, I can't imagine being in DaCosta's shoes because you have to be extremely careful not to do anything to upset that balance, right? I mean, you know, if 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 things are beats, if if the team is to believed, right, that everything like, hey, we're you know, we're, we're operating in good faith, we're you know, letting Lamar kind of get his options from the market, right? Um, if all that is to be believed, right, I mean, you've got to be really careful to be able to not sour that relationship. Like, I think there there is a way to be able to do that correctly and not pissed off Lamar and have him come back like that that is still an option but I mean it's 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 walking a tightrope I mean it really is right it's a lot of it's it's business acumen it's you know the um it's uh you know personality it's it's the you know ability to be able to like make those negotiations it's it's personal and business right it's it's certainly hard I mean I, I just like I said I, I can't imagine being in DeCosta's shoes and, and trying to do that because you know one small little slip up or one like insertion of doubt or something that like that can stick with a person right and now like you've you've influenced the whole thing yeah I think it's definitely a really tricky situation and uh, you're right like I can't imagine being DeCosta and negotiating directly with Lamar uh, it's a unique problem and I mean I'm sure he doesn't have anything that disrespectful to say it's just you know we can't we can't do that you know <laughs> like whatever it is that is the sticking point it seems like they haven't been able to get past it i think this is a good point to get to final thoughts on the lamar situation before we talk about like what is now the aftermath of of at least the uh initial tag decision and what it means from a cap and and, and player move perspective um i mean i guess i can go first my final thoughts are that uh Lamar Jackson is going to be starting for the Ravens week one of this season. Um, I think the Ravens will get a deal done. Same. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just part of the process. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still hopeful he will be here. Um, whether they get a deal signed this season, um, I'm not totally sure. But um, I think he will be a Raven this season. I still feel pretty good about that. I'm absolutely terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't like the idea of having a player in this situation for a number of reasons. Definitely don't like a player who is always dinged up um, and who's playing styles like that in this situation. It's not like, you know, you have a hate man where he doesn't get hit the whole game or something like that. You're like, okay, he's not going to like not play next week because just, he didn't get hit. But, well, got injured, you know, reading the playbook. Got iPods, writing some notes, first hitter. But like, uh, when you have a guy like Lamar in this situation, I just, uh, I just want to see how he sounds in these interviews coming into the season. I want to see the expression on his face. I want to see how it looks if he if he comes to camp. I, I, I I'm, I'm terrified that we're going to be dealing with a holdout situation. I'm terrified that 
we're, we're, we're uh, setting ourselves up. It's kind of unintended consequences. I think it was the right decision to give him the non-exclusive tag. But I also think that there's a major downside to it. So the way I'm feeling right now would be uneasy with the side of uneasiness. <laughs> Just that, that's that's how I feel. And um, i very curious how it plays out during the draft. I think we could have some major news during the draft. I, I think that it, it adds a lot of drama. You know, if you're a TV network news anchor, you you know this is like an episode of this is this is like an episode of The Bachelor. That's what I've told my friend. I've been a big fan of The Bachelor. So I'm like, this is like an episode <laughs> of The Bachelor. Like, who's he going to choose? Is he going to choose the money? Is he going to choose this? Like, I, I feel like we're in the middle of a reality TV show in a lot of senses. And um, I don't know how much reality TV you guys watch. Doesn't always end well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're over the cap as of this recording. And the way that the Ravens are trying to fix this is they did end up dealing Chuck Clark uh, for a 2024 seventh round pick, which is basically as little compensation as you could possibly get. I mean, 2025 seventh round pick would have been worse, I guess, but like it's pretty bad. But I mean, they actually did save more money by trading him because some of his contract was guaranteed. And I also think that his contract was, was favorable. I think he could have maybe gotten a little bit more um, on the open market, Get be, provide the green dot and the leadership and the, the quality of play that he does. So the Jets picked him up for a really low value. I think they're giving themselves a hell of a player. But um, at the same time, I'm not like terribly torn up about this. You know, Chuck Clark was definitely a, a favorite of the pod. We had a lot of fond memories about him. But I think obviously with Hamilton stepping in and Stone, the way he's played, um, you know, I think we'll be all right. Third safety to go to the Jets. Jim Leonard, Ed Reed. Am I missing one, guys? I think that's it. I am sure that there was another. I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I wouldn't be shocked if there was another because uh, <laughs> uh, the Jets, just like the Browns back in you know the 2004 to 2010, have really liked uh, wrapping up Ravens players. But yeah, at least those guys. But yeah, I mean, I think Alex said all the, all the correct things about this. Um, you know, Chuck Clark, I've said many times, uh, one of my favorite players on the Ravens the past few seasons uh had to share the the gif of him jumping over philip rivers one last time in the <laughs> chat i'm sure it won't be the last time though that gif will live on it's my favorite but um yeah i mean you know it, it's it's just the same as just you know hayden hurst uh, orlando brown uh getting traded when they did just the ravens had a glut at that position uh between stone and hamilton you've got basically everything that clark could do um you know it uh, of course, it's great to all have that all in one player, but you know Hamilton could uh, develop into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Ravens—they they have direct replacement, so you trade them. Uh, it's disheartening that the return was as little as it was, but of course, you know, sometimes we value these players uh, on the Ravens more so than the rest of the league does, and the Ravens also don't have the best track record of, of sending uh, defensive players who aren't edge rushers other places and them uh, particularly thriving. So best of luck to Clark, uh, but we'll see we'll see what he, he's ultimately able to do with the Jets. Dewan Landry, also with the Jets. Well, there you go. I mean, was yep. with the Jets, not yep. anymore. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Echo and Clark. Um, it's a big shame. You know, it's actually funny when we were talking about, um, I think the Ravens doing a good job at evaluating players fairly. I think Clark's a great example of that on the other side. Like, 
not a star player, but he he was a player. They brought a lot of value to this team, uh, particularly on the defense. I mean, just, you know, one thing to remember, too, of like Ravens stuck with Clark over um, Earl Thomas. Like it put a lot of money yes. into Earl, but they realized that mistake pretty quickly um, and, you know, ended up sticking with a guy like Chuck. So, I mean, that stuff does matter. Um, especially for some of the, you know, more, I guess, fringe players, I think, on your franchise. I mean, I, I think that's probably fair to say with, with Chuck. I mean, he was a good starter. Um, he was solid. He wasn't, probably was not in the top half in terms of, like, overall, like, highest performing defensive players. But that doesn't mean that he was a bad player. Um, you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the Ravens valued him pretty highly. Um, you know, the but the rest of the market did not seem to. Um, I agree, a seventh-round pick for that. Like, I mean, that reminds me kind of the Bozeman contract of last year of, like, we thought Bozeman was going to get a ton of money, and he ended up getting, like, a one-year deal for, what, $7 million, $8 million bucks or something? I think it was three. Um, it was, like, nothing. Was yeah, it three? It really yeah, small. yeah. It was something. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, it sucks personally for him just because, uh, yeah, great guy, great stand-up guy. It's just, but... Um, I don't know. If anything, it makes me happy for the Ravens just to to know that they they took care of their own. And but sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's time to go. All right. Well, that basically wraps up the show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks you, Alan, for joining in. I thought that was a lot of really interesting perspectives you brought. Thanks. I had an awesome time with you guys, Peter, Chris. We'll uh, be back soon. We talked about Clark, and we kind of had the idea. It was Chris's idea. Maybe we'll bring it back. The twenty twenty pseudo tradition of a March Madness uh, chart. So we're going to try to put together the best um, what do you call it? Best late round picks by the Ravens. Not cop picks, just late round picks uh, in a chart and we'll have everyone vote and we'll figure out the the winner. So uh, just wanted to have a chart where Chuck Clark ends up in the top five. I don't know if he's going to win. Uh, this man's gonna weigh yeah, the chart. Yeah, like, he's gonna be like, he's he's gonna be the one C, the number one side. <laughs> you got a lot of fun in, in uh, editing, man. It's bracket. Come on, man. Bracket. bracket. March Madness bracket. Uh, <laughs> it's all about the brackets. That's right. We'll have a bracket. <laughs> and uh... well, another thing we did. I, I know we had everyone fill it out last time. Um, we also had didn't have as as you know our, our followings gotten a little bigger since since then. We could also just you know do it through through uh, polls on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. You know, each round. Also, polls. also rumor has it that the winner of this uh, late round bracket poll will get, a, will get voted to the Pro Bowl next year. <laughs> that's right. Also, rumor has it that they will be uh, demanded to come on the show as a guest. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you can find us on Twitter at WellWinningPod on YouTube at WellWinningPod and you can email us WellWinningPod at gmail.com We'll see you in a few weeks.